So I want to talk about the key principles of business and wealth from the kingdom perspective. Let me begin with a few comments about wealth. When people talk about wealth, they normally think about money. I don't. I want to give you seven spheres of wealth that you must focus on. You must be wealthy in seven areas or you will be poor. The first area of wealth is spiritual wealth. The Bible calls this being rich toward God. If your spiritual life is not in order and you have a billion dollars in the bank, you are poor. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose the most important thing he has, his soul? So you want to focus on wealth in your spirit life. The second sphere of wealth in the kingdom is solical wealth. Solical wealth means intellectual and emotional development. <clears throat> you must focus on developing yourself intellectually. God gave you a brain. He expects it to be developed. God gave you a brain with nothing in it. It's like a hard drive on a computer. It is up to you to decide what you download. It's called learning. It's important for you to become very wealthy in your soul. Your soul consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. It is not to your benefit to have a billion dollars in the bank but don't have the intelligence to invest it. Don't have the knowledge to multiply it. And don't have the wisdom to invest it. And that's why Solomon was smart. When God asked him, what do you want? I will give you anything you want. Solomon did not ask for money. He asked God for solical wealth. He said, give me knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Later on, Solomon wrote this in his book called Proverbs. He said, wisdom brings Wealth. One of the students of Jesus, his name was John, wrote a little book that is tucked away in your Bible. It's Third John. He said, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. 
That means your health depends on your mental state. Your prosperity depends on your solical development. I always tell people when I train them in business that wealth is actually an idea. It's not money. Wealth has to be first in the mind. So you must be wealthy in your soul. The third self wealth that you must focus on in the kingdom of God is what we call physical wealth. You know, it's interesting that Stephen Jobs, one of the richest men in the history of the world, who founded Apple Computer with a partner, he was worth hundreds of billions of dollars, but not one dollar could save him from cancer in his pancreas and his liver. He died with a billion dollars in the bank. Oh, I can't let you get all seven of them. Legendary pastor, Miles Monroe. Ooh. Hey, listen, I like, hey, all week long, I've been hitting you upside your head with topics, making you think. You thought I wasn't going to do the same tonight. It is important that we address this. You know, a few years back, there was a phenomenon. Brother Kevin Samuels was a phenomenon. No disrespect to that brother. I've always said that brother was 100% right for a toxic society. 100% right. Everything he told you with regards to how to maneuver in relationship today was right. It's just that it was still toxic. It wasn't spiritually balanced. And even more important, it wasn't even spiritually authorized. You guys have heard me say on numerous occasions, no disrespect, God bless the dead. But the bottom line is, Kevin Samuels created a term, high-value man, high-value woman. Low-value man, low-value woman, all that was predicated on the toxicity of America. Consumerism, materialism. You heard Brother Miles just tell us. Miles Monroe just tell us, just told us. What did he say? He said, emotional wealth, spiritual wealth, physical wealth. I'm not going to give you the other four. All these things trump money. You've heard me say for over 20 years on radio all over the place. I said, can you find value in a person, men and women? Can you find value in a person that is worth more than what they have or more than what's in their wallet? Can you name currencies? 
spiritual currencies, psychological currencies, emotional currencies that are worth more than what's in your wallet. Oh, Lord, y'all ready tonight? 1-800-920-1580. I want to talk to you. Tonight's topic, are you, are you or are you dating a relationship commoner? A commoner, a pauper. Ooh, Lord. For people who are confused as to what a commoner is, Late 14th century, mid 14th century, in Anglo-French, one of the common people, a member of the third estate, agent noun from common verb, right? <laughs> Someone who participates in the common, associate or have dealings with the common. Low level. Huh? Another a fancy word for it. A layman. A layman. One who is not of the cloth. In other words, he is unlearned. They say unlearned. Ooh. Circa 1300. Belonging to all. Owned or used jointly. That's different. That's the adjective version. We're talking about the noun. Are you a part of the common mass? The rabble. You know who the rabble is today? The unlearned rabble. Those who are educated by YouTube clips. Those who get their education and their knowledge from Instagram. Huh? <laughs> Just because you have reproductive organs doesn't mean you should use them. Hey, we talking about it tonight. Are you a relationship commoner or have you dated a relationship commoner? An intriguing, riveting look at the difference between relationships one percenters and the relationally impoverished. You need to understand something. In the realm of intimate relationships, the concept of classism can take on a new dimension for this show. Right? This show is going to explore the idea of being relationally impoverished Versus being relationally rich, drawing parallels to the notion of social class. We will delve into the significance of unhealed wounds, personal growth, and shadow work as the determinants of relationship quality and class. 1-800-920-1580. I don't, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know if anybody is ready for tonight's topic. I need to talk to y'all. You still need a little bit more clarity? I got some more. Relational poverty re refers to the state of being trapped in patterns of dysfunction, emotional wounds, and unhealed traumas. Individuals in this state often struggle with communication, trust, and emotional intimacy. They may unknowingly perpetuate cycles of pain and struggle to form unhealthy connections. Ooh, relational poverty is not a judgment, but an invitation to embark on a transformative judgment. Here we go tonight. When I come forward... Uh, 
I'm going to break down some more. I'm going to break down some more. A lot of us are emotionally impoverished. A lot of us are intellectually impoverished. A lot of us are spiritually impoverished. A lot of us are physically impoverished, yet we don't want to be lonely. Are you even relationship material? When we come forward, we're going to talk about it. It is our desire to help you to identify how you're doing emotionally or vibrationally because if you can improve the way you feel just a little bit your whole point of attraction shifts when you are in vibrational alignment with what you want and who you are we call that allowing in fact we call the entire gathering the art of allowing because it's the art of learning how to get up there in vibrational alignment with who you really are and what you want so let's take a subject what subject do you want to play with first throw something out money 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 well it's big money interfaces with you all day every day in lots of different ways and you have lots of different emotional responses to money so it's a good one to begin with so let's say that you're standing where you are and where should it be should it be with plenty of money or with not quite enough money should it be with really not enough money or just not quite enough money just not quite just not quite enough money so here you are it doesn't matter where you are here you are wherever you are is where you are and here you are so here you are and so you're having responses to life you're having conversations with yourself you're having thoughts in your own mind you're giving your attention to this subject of money so let's say that you went to the mailbox you got the American Express bill you had no idea how much you spent it knocks the wind out of you you know that there's not enough to pay it you're thinking about how you need to call them and make some sort of other arrangements and you have this knot in the pit of your stomach that we would describe as not so much fear although maybe fear but true annoyance disappointment uh, concern um, discomfort about money so there you are in your powerful now where all of your power is and so you say I don't know why I do this to myself so the question that we want to ask you is which way did that statement cause you to fork did you fork to the corner that you don't want to go to or to the corner that you do want to go to so I've lost my mind I don't know what I'm doing what in the world was I thinking now you forked over there pretty good but it doesn't matter where you were the only thing that matters is where you are so now right, that's that's the legendary Abraham and Jerry Hicks that's who that is Abraham and Esther Hicks Esther and Jerry Hicks speaking on high vibrational thought processes as they align with high vibrational emotional processes why is this important because whatever the thinker thinks the prover will prove as a man thinketh so is he you drag your own reality down to the depths when you think at a low level right so if you're thinking at low levels how who are you attracting when you're down there thinking one eight hundred nine twenty fifty? I don't care how much money you got in your account. How much is in your spiritual account? 
Is your spiritual account in arrears? Hmm? What? Let's, let's, let's delve into it a little bit. The impact of unhealed wounds, unclaimed wounds, unacknowledged wounds. You know, you broken in your own spirit, right? Uh, most time in my relationships, I don't feel heard. I don't feel seen. I don't feel respected. I don't feel accepted. Well, it, it, it usually starts with you, right? So let's delve into it. Unhealed wounds can hinder our ability to engage and connect deeply with another person. Yet, we still want the Disney-style relationship. We still want the gender roles to be lined up right. All you got to do is do what you're supposed to do, and I'm going to be okay. And we gonna, no, we're not going to be okay. Huh? When these wounds are left unaddressed, they manifest as emotional baggage. Affecting our self-esteem, self-worth, self-approval, self-acknowledgement, sense of self, our communication skills, and our capacity for vulnerability. Recognizing and healing these wounds are way more important than getting the bag. I'm not saying don't go get the bag. That's not what I'm saying. I said import. See, getting the bag should be the background of your life. That's what education was for. Huh? That's what growing up and learning how to think critically is for. But the real task of your life is getting down to the business of you. Uh-oh. Hey, 1-800-920-1580. Somebody call me this evening. Somebody call me this evening. Recognizing and healing your wounds is crucial for breaking free from relational poverty. You can do this by dealing with shadow work, right? Shadow work involves uh, exploring and, and, and integrating the aspects of ourselves that we have repressed, ignored, been indifferent to, or denied. Engaging in this process allows us to confront our fears, our insecurities, our negative thinking, our negative, uh, disrespectful, dysfunctional patterns. By embracing our shadow, we gain self-awareness, compassion, and the ability to navigate relationships with authenticity. Overcoming our shadow work is more than just a transformative step towards becoming a high-quality, high-class choice in relationship. Many of you got money, but you still spiritually low-class. You're in the bottom class. This relationship classism tonight, huh? Only thing in the spirit realm ain't no Jim Crow. Ain't no, ain't no spiritual redlining. You see, you do this to yourself. Ooh, Lord have mercy. 1-800-920-1580. Get to your phone lines. I see the callers, but I need more. L.A., you ain't in here yet. Mississippi is. Huh? Reno, Nevada is. I need L.A. in the building. Let's go. When we come forward, Zoe Williams is going to keep cooking. I'd like to take a moment to talk 
about intimacy. Now, we all love that really warm, connected feeling, whether it's with our child, with our spouse, with our dog, with our parent, with whomever. That lovely, connected feeling when we can't feel as if there's any friction between us and the other being. Isn't that a lovely feeling? And we start off like that in most relationships. Now, relationships have three stages that they go through. Absolutely each and every one of them. And the first one is that lovey-dovey, in-love feeling, where there feels like there's no separation between you and the other being, whether it's a dog, a cat, a spouse, a child. And we, love, we all love that feeling. We all love that space. The thing is, is that it doesn't last. Relationships have been brought to us to soften us. It's, I call it the sandpaper, right? My sandpaper rubs against your sandpaper and it, and it eventually softens. We eventually soften if we hang out long enough. So the second stage in relationship is called the power struggle. And this is when two people, they either are arguing all the time or they become roommates. They pass each other in the hallway, they're polite, they feel safe, but there's zero passion. So there's three things that we want in every relationship. We want connection. We want passion. And we want safety. But we choose in the power struggle stage, one or the other. We, we, we choose either safety or passion. Both will connect us to the other person. Most relationships maintain themselves in this power struggle stage, either to a logical conclusion of ending or moving to the third stage of all relationship, which is conscious love. Now, conscious love, most don't understand what that is. Most of our society, 50% of marriages nowadays in the Western world end in divorce. So we barely move into a mature state in order to understand what conscious love is. Conscious love is when you bring everything to the table. You bring the good, you bring the bad, you bring the ugly, you bring the fearful, you bring the joyful, you bring the child part of you, you bring the adolescent part of you, you bring the mature, wise part, you bring all of you to your partner. I'll be doing a half-day workshop and in that workshop, I just... <laughs> I don't agree with everything she said, but I agree with a lot of it. Lord have mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, you're tuned in to The Voice of Reason live on KBLA Talk 1580. You know where I'm at, the heart of Lamert Park. You know how we do. Are you a relationship commoner? Are you in intimate relationships lower class? An intriguing look at the difference between relationship one percenters <laughs> and the relationally impoverished. You want to work your way, right? Or let's call it a journey, right? The hero's journey. You want to work your way to relational wealth, not just financial wealth, but relational wealth. Relational wealth represents a state of emotional abundance 
where individuals have cultivated deep self-awareness. They have begun the process and have been in the process of healing their unrequited wounds. They have begun to embrace personal growth as a spiritual purpose. These individuals possess the capacity for deep connection, empathy, and effective listening as well as effective communication. They approach relationships with a sense of responsibility, respect, and a commitment to mutual growth. Relational wealth is not about perfection because we're all works in progress, but about the willingness to continuously learn and evolve. In the realm of intimate relationships, the concept of classism can be recontextualized as a reflection of one's relational wealth, moving from relational poverty, i.e. unhealed wounds, inflexible beliefs, anger, disrespect, dysfunction, moving from all of that, Right? Oof. To now transforming. Embracing this transformative journey where one can become a high quality, high class choice in intimate relationship. One where one is devoted to fostering mutual respect, mutual love, mutual maintenance of the connection, as well as mutual fulfillment. Sounds a bit lofty, doesn't it? It's only lost in, uh, lofty because you, you're stiff-necked. You've defined yourself with the lowest aspect of yourself. Ooh, I know y'all not ready for tonight. 1-800-920-1580. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's get these callers on right now. Ooh, Lord. Sean's been on the longest. Get in here. Wow, brother. So, first of all, mentioning, you know, uh, money, financial kind of a thing. Well, that is a, a factor of capitalism in our country, and I get all of that. But if that's your uh, number one uh, priority, you're going to miss out on life, period. And I'm not kidding. You know, I've never been poor. I'll just say that right now. I've never been poor. My family wasn't super rich when I was young, but I was never poor. But I'll tell you what, they did teach me the right things to pay attention to. And I'm not religious, but you don't have to be religious to be spiritual, right? And I respect the word, by the way. I know lots of athletes who read the Word in the Bible, and, and it helps them get through long seasons and, and these crazy, you know, uh, seasons that uh, professional athletes have to get through. I respect that 150% because, you know what, whatever gets you through the day, and by the way, lots of what's in the Bible um, will, uh, is very positive. But if you bring that negative energy, or if you just think that everything is materialistic, right? You know, everything, you know, you're only successful if you've got this, that, or the other. Okay? You're missing it out. 
because the most important thing, and I know it's going to sound cliche, but it's true, is your family, your friends, and everything that goes into keeping that together, right? And community, I would put that right at the end because everyone that lives around you is a part of your family. And so, you know, you know, the money thing is sad in our country because it's so uh, in it's not equal. It's it's terrible. And uh, we're not quite to the place of a lot of other countries, but if you just make sure that you have that equity with your partner uh, and you really want to be with them, then you'll know the importance of working together as a team because things are going to go bad. And if you can't deal with when things go bad, Zoe, I mean, you know this more than me probably because I got my own issues. Everyone has issues, you know, and, and either you can work it out or you can't. And if you can't, it's not the end of the world either. But you know your priorities your kids, your family, your friends, right? Because if we don't have that and we're not trying to – we don't have to agree on everything. That's the other thing I want to mention. You don't have to agree on everything. Well, what you have to have is a conversation. If someone's just way out there in outer space, you know, that's a different thing. You want to help them out the best you can. But what I'm saying most of the time what I hear is, People that have disagreements go to the extreme. Oh, we're going to just break up. You know, come on now. It takes work. And, and, and I feel like sometimes, because I've been married a long time, and, and I, we've, we've gone through all kinds of crap, ups and downs, all for many, many years. And if you're not up to the challenge that, it's going to happen to you that you're going to have issues, you're going to have challenges, you're going to have things hit the fan that are not happy, hot, happy places to be. You've got to solve that problem together. Once you solve that problem together one time, just once, you know you can do it throughout the relationship. Man, thank you, Sean. We appreciate the insight, Thanks, the brother. wisdom, man. He's been married for over 30 years. He should know what he's talking about. Listen, get to your phone lines. The number to dial is 1-800-920-1580. This is not a monologue. This is a conversation, a national one. I want to talk to everybody. Get in here. When we come forward, the voice of reason shall continue this bonfire. What is the perfect spiritual relationship? What is it? Start looking at each other as though you belong to one reality. And try and develop such inner feelings that you'll start feeling each other, each feeling the other as himself. We can develop this kind of an inner sense and then you'll have no problem without talking, without anything. You'll be able to all the time be in a mutual feeling, feeling together. Heavy stuff. But for many relationship, yeah, relationships, that uh, th those thoughts are foreign. What they were defining was communion. He said, one reality. Start looking at your relationship. He's talking about conscious spiritual relating. Start looking at your relationship as one reality. 
But your ego is too self-important and fearful of its own death to even consider such a notion. You're a relationship pauper. You're a relationship commoner. You've heard me mention this term many times. Spiritually impoverished. Spiritually bankrupt. Spiritually penurious. Penury. Look at up. Penury. Poverty. Got everything. Got every little gadget. Got all. Got, got, got the new titanium. The new iPhone titanium. Number 15. Uh, does the exact same thing as the 7. But guess what? You got it. Huh? Hey. Got everything. Everything. Got everything. But the thing that matters most, a healed soul, or at least, at the very least, work in progress, a soul that is healing. 1-800-920-1580. Let's get these callers in here. Nikki from Mississippi. Get in here. Good evening. Good evening. How are you tonight? What are your thoughts okay. on tonight's topic? So this is what we doing. You you start now with Miles Monroe and the secret. Come on, man. Come on. You know what I do? I do like <laughs> you on fire all week. I mean, golly. <laughs> I don't want to take my foot off the brake. I, I off the gas. I, I I gotta keep going, right? Okay. All right, all right. So I'm gonna tie this back to our last conversation mm -hmm. about that STI we were talking about. Mm. And the deposits of the souls. Mm -hmm. If we are bankrupt, we might be in an overdraft circumstance. Mm -hmm. And we share that with a partner or partners because we are not willing, ready, prepared, or able to address it within ourselves, though we know it's there. Mm -hmm. Then whomever you are sharing that with in your relationship exchange can now be in a deficit position also. You are cooking. You better not stop. I, you just keep going. You better not quit. Keep going. See, we this goes back to failing to understand we came from royalty. We are supposed to be, as far as Christ is concerned anyway, King's kids. Mm. So if we understand, adhere to, I am a king's kid. Well, the king's children shouldn't mix with commoners. We got that problem now. Mm. Was keep going, Harry and Harry and Meghan? Mm. I'm just saying. Mm. Mm. Because there is a place level in the spirit when you are royalty, even a work in progress, because it could be a, the baby and the baby has to mature to an adult. But there are characteristics that should be occurring in that royalty spirit. Mm. Mm. Now, that spirit will draw the bankrupt or the people who might be a little short this month. Mm. 
Mm. That goes back to when we talked about trying to discern what the spirit is carrying. Right. It may not be obvious to us at the point of intimacy. We may not get that. Oh, wait a minute. It was a few dollars short to a couple, three days later. Mm. So now if you're on a continuum and you're not, Working on that spirit to maintain that royalty level, and then you continually contaminate with the impoverished, you too will be in a deficit and not too long. (laughs) So if you, you, wait, you, you come from, uh, (laughs) you come from good stock, you come from royalty, you come from people who got something. You come from a good right. family, right? But if right. you go down, Character. if you go down the hill and start consorting with the commoners, you, uh-uh. you lay down uh-uh. with dogs, you get up with fleas. Is that what you're saying? I am saying that there has been a time in our society, particularly with black people, brown people, where the your big mama would say, "Well, who are their people?" Wait, wait, wait. Stop. Stop right there. When we come forward, you're going to talk about what Big Mama had to say. Who them people? When we come forward, the fire shall continue to burn. When I find that I can teach one person the joy of living, the joy of thinking God's thoughts, it's a beautiful experience to me. I think it was last Sunday and, and Friday of last week that the lady was here and came down here and brought those four bottles of pills that she had to live on. There's really five. She didn't bring the other one. She had gotten rid of that one first. And those were heart pills. And she had to live on those pills every day. She had to take so many from this bottle, so many from that bottle, so many from the other bottle, and she had to carry those heart pills around with her. So that all of a sudden it didn't, the heart didn't act right. She had to pop a pill. She was a legal junkie. You know, there are two kinds of junkies. Uh-oh, uh-oh, I'm getting in your medicine cabinet now. And I'm not trying to tell you, if the doctor prescribes some pills for you, you take them until I can teach you how to live above it. Now, don't go home and throw out your medicine. I don't try to stretch you beyond your faith. But this lady has been coming to these services and classes for 14 years, ever since we've been in this building. And it took her about 14 years, but she kept coming right back here. Finally, a year ago, she got it. She heard me say something about the heart. She heard me say that the heart does not attack anybody. People attacked the heart. She says, what? And it wasn't the first time I'd said that. I've said that from time to time. But she got it. It's just like when you come here, you're always going to hear me talking about health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money. Let me hear you say it. Health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money. Come on, let's hear it. Health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money. Let's hear it. Health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money. Now listen, if you get sick of health, Happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money. No need for you to come back here because I'm going to wash your face in it. I'm going to baptize you with it. 
I like when we were at the sunset, you know, I'd been there for about a couple of years, and somebody said, Reverend Ike, when are you going to baptize us? I said, honey, I've been baptizing you ever since I've been here. <laughs> Some people just won't get in the water. <laughs> and why am I running these old cliches by you? I'm going to run them by you until you get them. I asked one of my classes, and one of the ladies down here answered it. I said, now, you know, sometimes people come here and they want to be helped, they want to be healed, they want their problems solved, and they want it done just like that when it took them many years to learn how to get into the groove they're in. And I said, how long did it take some of you people to learn your negative thinking? And one person said, all my life. <laughs> You're not deserving of a relationship. I know nobody's going to go that far. But it puts you in the bottom class of options for someone who has worked on their generational tasks. That was the legendary Reverend Ike. A lot of people don't like Ike. Huh? But you can't argue with the point. You, Reverend Ike is saying some of the same things your, 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 your clinicians are telling you. He said, how long it took you to develop that mindset? My whole life, a clinician will turn around and tell you your attachment style is this because your primary caregiver, i.e. your mama, failed to do this or that. And this is why you have a maladaptive attachment style or attachment wounds you ain't got to like him he made the point for me tonight are you a relationship commoner when you start going into your relationships you need to start asking the question am i still a commoner and how will my common ways manifest in this new interaction and how are my commonalities related to the commonalities of this new person? Ooh, I know y'all not ready for this kind of talk tonight. But you're going to get it. It's our number two. So let's get it. Psychologically and philosophically, what does relationship poverty look like? Conversely, what does relationship wealth look like? I'm not talking about what's in your bank account. I'm talking about what's in your spirit, what's in your soul. What thought process, outlook, perspective, behaviors, commitment, quality of love and connection place a couple in the top 1% category when it comes to healthy relationships? What thought process? Outlook, perspectives, behaviors, commitment, quality of love, and connection place a couple in the bottom tier when it comes to cultivating a healthy relationship. What daily practices nurture relational wealth, fostering emotional intimacy and understanding between partners? How do individuals in the top 1% of intimate relationships handle disagreements and conflicts? 
And how does it vary from those in the bottom percentiles that are considered to be high quality, high value? See, let me tell you something. We grading on a different curve here. This is a spirit grade. I know you ain't never heard of nothing like that. In the realm of love languages, I know Dr. Jashana Johnson don't like them love languages because really them love languages are, are, are your attachment wounds asking to be fed. But we digress. In the realm of love languages, how do relationally wealthy couples consistently speak each other's language, ensuring mutual fulfillment? How do they do that? What role does empathy play in the lives of those who are relationally wealthy? And how does it shape their interaction? How do relationally rich couples maintain a healthy balance between independence and interdependence within their relationships? The questions should be burning the hair out your nose. (laughs) What communication strategies empower relationally wealthy partners to express their needs and desires openly and honestly 1-800-920-1580 how do spiritually connected couples navigate challenges drawing strength from their shared beliefs and practices what habits characterize relationally impoverished individuals hindering their ability to establish and maintain meaningful connections i know y'all not ready but you're gonna get ready i'm gonna get you ready You want to have a real relationship? You should be asking these questions. You should be writing these questions down. You should be dealing with stuff like this. This is a real relationship. Love and hip-hop conversations are not. You got to remember, entertainment is entrainment. It's it's a type of indoctrination, the indoctrination of escapism. You're escaping the real conversation. Oh, that makes you relationally poor. You're having you're escaping the real conversation with self. That's why you incarnated on planet Earth. To heal all of the experiences you ask for. 1-800-920-1580. Let's get it. Nikki from Mississippi. Get back in here. Finish cooking. What did Big Mama say? When she would ask, who are the people of the person you're bringing into the family? Where, who, who are their people? What is their name? Their family names. One of the reasons they asked those questions was to identify uh, shared beliefs, I believe you referred to. Mm-hmm. Because family names could sometimes indicate reoccurring family problems, alcoholism, people who beat people up, uh, mental illness. So when we don't stay in a place, get in a place, work on getting to a place with a mate where we can even identify, do we have any shared beliefs? How then do we create value in the relationship? It's not the money. It's the character the character or lack thereof mm. Mm. That, that makes it go forward or makes it stay together or the willingness to stay so when you, it gets hard. So you're saying character 
is a currency that's worth more than the currency in your wallet. Absolutely. Mm. That's that's one of the tools that you should be using as royalty mm. to determine are you to be with this person or not? Mm. Mm. Where are you in your character? The answer to that question can be a different place depending on when you check a person. <laughs> oh, God, I don't mean to laugh. It's just hit me in the spirit. Do you have any more of them biscuits? Could you keep cooking? <laughs> Please keep cooking, Nikki. I, I, J.W. from South Central, you know I love L.A. and I'm going to come to you, J.W., but Lord have mercy. This child got peanut oil. She got avocado oil. She cooking with all the high-level ingredients. Please say one more thing before I let you go. Give us one more powerful jewel. When we decide to truly believe that we are divinely created mm -hmm. and accept the responsibility for what that means, mm -hmm. we will all have better relationships. Man. But as long as we keep lying to each other, we're going to keep getting that lie result. Nikki, I love you. Call in anytime, Nikki. <laughs> you done brought Mississippi in. I'm from Tennessee, so I I love the South. Girl, keep cooking. Call in anytime. She brought Mississippi in the building. If you want to join this national conversation, all you got to do is call me at 1-800-920-1580. When I come forward, trust me, I still got a lot to talk about. Let's continue our definition of a rich man and you see this is this is the kind of rich man a rich mind that will not enter and cannot enter the kingdom of heaven a rich man a mind which appraises materiality above spirituality things above thought a mind whose trust is in matter rather than in higher law of thought kingdom of god and his righteousness this is very subtle. We talk about it all the time, but it is worth repeating again and again and again. Ladies and gentlemen, a mind, a man must come to understand that thought has power over materiality and that materiality does not have power over thought. You must come to understand that. And a person who does not understand that, but rather values material things above thought or above mind, he may be rich in materiality, but he is poor in understanding. And Jesus said this kind of a rich man, a mind that is rich in its belief in materiality, a mind that is rich in its belief in material power, cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. I find it interesting also what's going around in the world mind now. The Russians and the United States and their camps, respective camps, are in this arms control business, are in an arms race. And they're talking about the power that they have to destroy everybody on earth. I don't share that opinion. I will not accept that opinion. The Russians do not have power over my life and well-being. No kind of material arms or bombs are... <laughs> if you, hey man, if you can't find 
you know, the value in what the brother is saying. I, I, I really don't know what to tell you. And the juxtaposition of Reverend Ike right after the aggrandizement of materiality in the Jay-Z, J.D. record. Money ain't a thing because we got so much of it. I could spend so I could spend so much of it and not miss it. But spiritual poverty is what Reverend Ike was talking about. Talk to me, man. Talk to me, Andy. Andy done jumped in here, man. <laughs> Look, I didn't know nothing about Reverend Ike until you know I started working with you. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> every time we play any of his clips, he's providing value. But I'm curious to know why was he a hated individual? Because back in the day, he was super flashy. And put it this way. What they doing over at Agape with uh, Michael Beckwith, right, is what he was doing. Science of mind. It's the same doctrine. It's the same. He was he was flamboyant. He had uh, this is in his 80s, 70s and 80s. He had like Bentleys and Rolls Royces. And he was saying. Nah, you you're one with God. There's no separation between you and God. So he was a little bit uh, controversial because it wasn't traditional Christianity. But what it was is the same thing Michael Beckwith is talking about at Agape right now. Same stuff. So, you know, coming up in the eight, he was on Phil Donahue. They was like, so what do you need the... uh, the, the Bentley for and and what's up with all the fancy clothes and, and it, you get what I'm saying so you know it, he was a, in my opinion he was ahead of his time but at the same time he was right on time because he set the tone for that so but that's why I love his information I, I don't know what he did personally I don't know nothing about his personal life I don't know who he is what but I just hear the information. I, I know how to separate the messenger from the message. You see, I take that message and that messenger can go on down to Harold and Bell's and get a fish sandwich. I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, you understand? Let's get these callers in here because I'm turned up, as you can see. I, I'm, I'm, I'm turned up. Let's let's go. Who's been on the longest? J.W. Come on. South Central Los Angeles is in the building. What's up, good brother? Talk to me. Yes, sir. I'm glad you uh, call for South Central, my brother, L.A. Yes. Okay, and Pete Kennedy, pay attention. I know a little bit about uh, Reverend Knight. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make this real quick, and then I'm going to switch my subject matter and address what the nature of the conversation is. Mm-hmm. First of all, Reverend Knight, I had a brother that was paralyzed. Reverend Knight was at the Shrine Auditorium back in the early 50s when I was a child. He claimed he had the healing cough. My brother never had a chance to get healed by him. I guess he had a scheme or whatever, but that part's irrelevant. Now, I'm going to keep it positive, just like you. He has value and worth because he was ahead of the curve, even though some people criticize that type of, uh, I guess, doctrine or philosophy as uh, what new age. But I don't have a problem with it because I'm a a, a critical-minded person to think for myself. So... I like some of his uh, ideals and concepts and what he spoke on are really true. Now, what I love to hear people say is universal. Universal truth, universal laws. Now, real worth 
it's unlimited because it's universal. True value, character, morals, ethics, principles, these are all attributes of God, which is universal. It's everlasting. There's no limitation to it. And God gets the glory for that. Now, back to what I said last week, when that uh, lady was talking about what a man can do and be a king and how he can earn his work or whatever or have a bomb, or, et cetera. I love God created God created human beings for one main reason, and that was for relationship, like you said earlier. And the relationship is for us to make improvements on ourselves. I never had a chance to get your book about the shadow man, but I've been listening to your program and I identify with it one hundred percent and I'm able to comprehend. And uh, another thing I would love to hear from other people when they use the word um discernment. Now, the sister mentioned one time only, and then she made some other good uh, reference points as well. But the main point is to have discernment, and what society has taken away from us was the real worth and real value, which was the family unit. That was the basic foundation, and that originates from the Word of God. Bottom line, and the old folks who used to say, if you lay down with dogs, you'll wake up with Please, but the other point is, what kind of pedigree is that man you bringing into my house? Because he could be a mutt. He could be a mutt. He could be a junkyard dog. We are we are high pedigree, high standards, high qualities, high morals, high ethics, etc. And like I said once before, there's a higher nature and a lower nature. You follow me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll let you get a word in. No, 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 man. I, this is your time. You got you got about thirty more seconds, so keep going before I before I, I pull the plug. Now keep going. You got okay, thirty more well, seconds. Well, 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 well. The bottom line is what I said uh, the other day. Everything is about character, human relationship, and that's your real worth and your real value. And society or se- the secular, um, I guess you say the mentality of how the powers that be created this system has uh, hoodwinked us, bamboozled. Bamboozle, bamboozle us and deceived us and got us blindfolded and brainwashed us and we are lack of knowledge, lack of wisdom, lack of self, lack I of agree. the Holy Spirit. Don't know how to kill the flesh daily, like uh, Paul would say. Kill the flesh daily. Ooh. End story. None I got you, brother. Stop. JW, thank you, brother. JW from South Central Los Angeles. If you want to bring your city in the building, all you got to do is call me at 1-800-920-1580. When I come forward, the sisters are going to make their case. We got Houston, Texas in the building, and we got Pensacola, Florida. Definitely going to Pensacola, Florida, because Houston just got here. Let's go. Spiritual wealth comes from within. It's your contentment, mindfulness, and spiritual self. Things you can have at all times. True spiritual wealth is something that you can control. Material wealth, on the other hand, tends to fluctuate. It's influenced by not only internal factors, such as poor financial decisions, but external ones as well, including the economy, natural disasters, and a host of other scenarios beyond your control. When you find the balance between the two, that's where the magic lies. So with all this in mind, What is spiritual wealth to you? Well, my friends, here's where I'm going to challenge you. Write down what spiritual wealth means to you. 
This is the first step in creating your new definition of wealth. When you get clear on what spiritual wealth means to you, you can invite that into your life. Your definition does not need to revolve around money at all. It could be about happiness, spirituality, or freedom. Whatever you define it as, spiritual wealth is yours and nobody can take that away from you. Now that you've defined what spiritual wealth means to you, I want you to define wealth as a whole. Again, this is your own personal definition. Where is your balance of financial wealth and spiritual wealth? And how will you achieve this? If you're interested in bringing your newfound definition... Ladies and gentlemen, the VOR, you know we on the back nine. The voice of reason has been on complete fire tonight. Tonight's topic, man, are you a relationship commoner, a pauper? Are you spiritually impoverished? Yes, that makes you <laughs> a struggle when it comes to <laughs> struggle relationships. I I'm, I'm sorry. You can have every luxury in the world. And if you don't heal what's yours to heal, can we just be honest? You're not deserving of an intimate relationship until you cultivate a healthy one with yourself. We've got callers on the line. Let's get them in here. We've been on fire all night long. Let's get in Zynga from Pensacola, Florida. Get in here. Hey, good evening, Mr. Bell. Hey, how are you tonight? And what do you think of tonight's topic? I'm good. How you feeling? I'm all right. I'm hanging in there. Okay. Um, this is a good topic. Um, looking at the questions, they were very interesting. Um, one of them... You said, what's the thought process, outlook, perspective, behaviors on, I guess, a couple um, that would be in the top 1%, I think? Yes. Um, I think embracing the, em embracing the differences. Right. I know, like, a, a lot of people, Some do you feel like sometimes people look at differences and look at it in a negative way? Yeah. A lot of times? Sure. Absolutely. Right. And I, negative, I envious, jealousy. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a lot of ways to look at it. Sure. Yes, 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 yes. Instead of like looking at it as sometimes, you know, how when you're in a relationship with somebody, you pick up traits mm -hmm. and sometimes you may look at their differences. You may look at something that they do different, but maybe if you look at it in a positive way, that difference can kind of strengthen you make you a little bit better. Um, I think that sometimes the friction, you know, friction causes fire. And sometimes mm -hmm. that can, you know, that can make a relationship stronger. The, the, not the, just the leaving, like using that friction to fix it mm. a little bit. I'm, does that make sense? No, like, you're, you're right there. <laughs> you're right people there. People will leave instead of using it to, for momentum. Right. To make the relationship stronger. But So you're making my point that I made earlier this week when I say just because you're having difficult moments in a relationship, that isn't a red flag to give up on the relationship. I said the only time you should really get out of there if there is abject abuse, emotional, psychological, right. physical, drug abuse, all kinds of get out of there. But right. if you guys are just going through a difficult time. That difficult time might be an opportunity where both of you guys go in 
reflect, see how you contribute to the difficulty, and then heal from it, and then the relationship gets stronger. You guys have a bond because because you, you, you guys conquered something. But a lot of people see mm-hmm. that as a waste of time because they didn't sign up for the work. Yes. And one more point. You said something, I guess an activity, boil it down to an activity that couples can do together. I think prayer, more um, praying together, mm-hmm. praying for each other, mm-hmm. praying over the relationship. I think people, you know, I call it surface dwelling. You know, tell my agent, sometimes you got to surface dwell. You can't get too deep. But I think in relationships, you have you can't surface dwell. You kind of have to dig your in and sometimes you know you want to put those water I like to wear water shoes when I go in lakes or to the beach mm-hmm. sometimes you can't do that you gotta you know you gotta feel the bad parts of it and I think that prayer you know you coming together for a common goal you know whatever time of day you know that can I think that can definitely strengthen the relationship I love it I love it you're in the top one percent if y'all praying for each other daily I, I'm gonna I'm I'm go out on a limb and say that <laughs> we appreciate mm-hmm. you in Zynga guess what you did thank you Mr. Zoe I know. I brought Pensacola. In you the brought Pensacola, Florida in the building. If you want to bring your city in the building, all you got to do is call me at 1-800-920-1580. When I come forward, you already know what I'm about to do. You know what I'm about to do. I'm about to bring the friend of the voice of reason into the show. Texas is the friend of the VR because Texas be up in here when we come forward. We still got a lot to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, I love those drops. The voice of reason is on fire. We turned up tonight. Callers have been amazing, but yet we still have one more. The con hey, tonight's topic has has been really riveting. I've enjoyed it, man. And and like I said, this is a conversation, man, a non-judgmental conversation where everybody gets to say what they want to say. I'm not going to push back. Sometimes I do, but I don't really want to. I really want you guys to be able to talk. I want you guys to be able to share. I want you guys to be able to participate, man, because, you know, a lot of people haven't been heard. So this is a place where you're going to be heard. I don't have to agree, but you're going to be heard. Now, with that said, Let's get Atala from Houston, Texas in the building. What up, Atala? How you doing? And what do you think of tonight's topic? Uncle Zoe, how are you? I'm all right. You can hear me? Yes, I can. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. So You sound I'm like a real so niece, cute. by the way. You sound like a like a real niece. I was about to say, <laughs> go go over there. Uh, my wallet is sitting on the table. Uh, pull out $20. <laughs> Go down to the corner store, get some uh, Simply Lemonade, get a bag of those Munchos, and then you keep the change. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Yes, that's exactly how my uncle's talking to me, too. But <laughs> let me just say, um, so I feel like one thing that people are missing in regards to their interactions with relationship commoners is if you're interacting with somebody like that, you know, your authenticity is key, right? Mm. So there's only so long you can pretend to be at their level or vice versa. Mm. So no, I, I know for me, Gosh. like I've, I've experienced, I don't know if you've ever experienced this before where you'd be talking to people and you start getting on some real high level stuff and then their eyes just like glaze over. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it happens every day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 
only imagine Uncle Zoe. So Jeez. I say all that to say that, you know, if you're true to yourself and you're authentic in your expression and what you're about, you'll have less schisms and isms with the relationship commerce. Mm, heavy stuff. Heavy stuff. Really appreciate you. You know that, right? Yes, sir. And guess what you did? I brought Houston in the building. You brought Houston, Texas in the building. We appreciate everybody who calls in and shares their insight. I hey, I love talking to folk, man. But now let's 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 get a, a little deeper. How do you get from impoverished to wealthy? And I'm talking about spiritually. How do you get from spiritual penury to relational wealth so in the realm of relationships right uh there exists you know this divide there's a stark contrast between those that are relationally impoverished and those that are relationally rich or wealthy the former is characterized by blame entitlement resentment and a perpetual lack of fulfillment while the latter thrives on intimacy, gratitude, trust, and a sense of communion in partnership. This show, we in this show, we, we, we tried to explore the transformative journey from intimate poverty to intimate wealth, addressing keys. Uh, key aspects such as personal responsibility, prioritizing intimacy, gratitude, cultural differences, trust, teamwork, spiritual healing, right? Mitigating jealousy, mitigating envy, mitigating competition, and breaking free from societal expectations. And, and sometimes it's difficult to do that. Individuals in impoverished relationships must first recognize the power of personal responsibility in their pursuit of happiness and fulfillment. By shifting the focus from blaming to claiming. Ooh, I know y'all don't want to hear claim over blame. I'll, I'll stop it. By shifting the focus from blaming their partner to taking ownership uh, of their own emotions and actions. Emotions, actions, interpretations, perspectives, viewpoints. They can break free from the cycle of blame and resentment. We want to break free from the cycle of blame and resentment. We want to create a culture in our relationships that elevate claim over blame. This shift empowers us to seek personal growth, communicate effectively, and make choices that align with the truth of who we are. Then we have to slip into prioritizing intimacy for passionate and fulfillment, fulfilling connections. So a lot of people are so busy on the, on the hamster wheel of life, we tend to not prioritize intimacy. Relationally wealthy couples understand the importance of prioritizing intimacy, both emotional and physical. To maintain a passionate and, and fulfilling connection, a union here, right? That's how you stay invested. And, and intimacy is not always sex. You know what I'm saying? How you doing today? I love to see you win. 
You know, I love it when you're in your wheelhouse of power. That's intimate, right? They invest time and effort into nurturing, nurturing their emotional bond through open communication, active listening, and shared experiences. Additionally, they prioritize physical intimacy, recognizing its role in deepening their connection and fostering a sense of closeness. The transformative power of prayer and gratitude. Man, prayer is a type of gratitude. I need you to not, I, I don't want to go, don't make me do, uh, uh, I, 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 that's another topic. Let's just do gratitude. Gratitude plays a pivotal role in the lives of those in impoverished relationships. By practicing gratitude, individuals can shift their perspectives and transform their outlook on their partner and their relationship. Expressing appreciation for the positive aspect of their relationships helps them focus on their strengths rather than dwelling on the shortcomings, fostering a more and positive dynamic. When's the last time you told your partner, thank you. Thank you for being you. We always thank our partner for what we do, or many of us do, many of us don't. But when was the last time you thanked your partner for being themselves? Thank you for being you. That's, that's, that's man, that's intimacy too, right? Navigating cultural differences with celebration and learning. Relationally wealthy couples, Right. Individuals, they embrace cultural differences within their relationships, celebrating diversity and and, and and learning from each other. They approach these differences with curiosity, respect and a willingness to understand and, and appreciate their partner's background by fostering an environment of acceptance and learning. They create a rich and vibrant uh, kind of mosaic of shared experiences. Let me give you an example. You can be black from Pasadena, and you can be black from Omaha. Those are some different cultural uh, experiences in that relationship. So being able to keep a space where you get to be from Omaha and you get to be from Pasadena. Do you see what I'm saying? That's a healthy space. Then rebuilding trust after betrayal. You want a healthy relationship, you got to learn how to do this. Addressing issues of trust and betrayal is crucial for those in impoverished relationships. Rebuilding trust requires an open and honest level of communication. Consistent actions that demonstrate reliability and character. And a commitment to growing up every day. Right? It is a gradual process that involves forgiveness setting healthy boundaries, and working together to establish a new foundation of trust. You want, you, you, I'm, giving you the, I'm giving you the cheat code. Your wallet does not make you high value. Your spirit does. The work you do on your soul makes you high value. You, you, you want to be, everybody want to be a one percenter. Everybody want to be Bill Gates. Everybody want to be uh, 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 Steve Jobs. Everybody want to be, oh, Jay-Z and them. They got so much money. But do, no disrespect, I don't know them. What is the condition of the soul? 
And I think their soul is good, by the way. Have y'all seen that little documentary where Jay-Z got all these brothers talking about their relationships and, and about being men and very powerful stuff? So this is, this is definitely not an indictment against them. But I'm going to give you another one. Foster teamwork and partnership. Relationally rich couples understand the importance of teamwork and partnership in overcoming challenges and, achieve, and, achieving, and achieving shared goals, man. We got to work together if we want to love together, if we want to live together, if we want to grow together. Listen, I started the conversation. It's up to you to finish it. Now, you know the fire will continue to burn because my homegirl, Jill Monroe, you know her show, RSVP with Jill Monroe. It's up next. I'll see y'all next week with some more heat.